Amen. Good singing. I believe the Lord is pleased with your efforts there, and that is why we sing. We certainly sing to edify and encourage each other, speaking to ourselves in psalms and and spiritual songs, but primarily we want to make sure that our singing is an offer of worship and glory to God, and we'll talk about it today. I told you this morning uh, the five priorities of Faith Baptist Church, the desire to excel, be excellent in those areas, and obviously glory was the first one, and uh, so we'll take some time and really nuts and bolts the those five things again. I, I mentioned it, I believe, in the, the, the 11 o'clock hour. I know I said it in the 10 o'clock. We're going to have the same sermon tonight. It'll be the same five points, but really we're going to unpack in greater detail how exactly we intend to be intentional about fulfilling those things, about having opportunities to give God glory and so forth. Um, as I was preaching this morning, a quote came to my mind. I didn't realize I was quoting D.L. Moody, or maybe D.L. Moody was quoting me. I'm pretty sure it was the other way around, but D.L. Moody said this, our greatest fear should not be failure, but succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. And I had a horribly botched version of that thought, uh, not realizing, hey, it came from uh, Dwight Lyman Moody all those years ago. But what a thought. Uh, far worse than failing uh, in life is the idea of spending all of your, your effort and, and uh, attempts at excelling at something that ultimately doesn't matter. When you stand before the throne of grace, now listen to me, I'll be careful when I say this, your, your points per game will not matter. Okay, um, In large part, your GPA won't matter. Not unless God used that for his glory, which he absolutely can and does. Um, but those things that we live, your, your bank account really won't matter. Unless you used it for him, certainly it will matter then. But what a fear it ought to be in our hearts that we would raise kids who get really, really, really good at something that doesn't matter. Really, really excellent at, at putting a ball through a hoop. And, and again, I'm not against sports. I think you can learn a lot of character and a lot of things like that. Our kids do some of that as well. I'm not opposed to it. But the idea is that we want to develop children and a church and marriages that excel where God tells us as a church, as children, as parents, as husbands and wives that we ought to excel. And uh, uh, we talked about it a little bit this morning. I really won't go back. If you missed the sermon, you really got to go back and listen to it. I know some of you have already done that if you were serving in other capacities. Um, but we are not going to be excellent in every area. And I'm not going to develop that thought more than, than what I just said. And we develop why that is, and we use illustrations and so forth. But we're not going to excel at every single area. I, as a Christian, am not excellent in every single area. I might be strong in preaching or maybe in teaching, but I, I personally lack in, in mercy, uh, or I might lack in the area of being, uh, uh, you know, in this particular area of faith or that particular area. We all have strong suits, and we all have specialty areas. Some of you have great faith, as the scripture says, a different measure is given to every man. Uh, and again, there are responsibilities, plenty of them, that are given to the entire church, and each of those are indeed our job. Every single last one of the responsibilities, uh, from the most important to maybe what we, we couldn't really qualify it as the least important, but God does place great emphasis on certain things. Um, a great example of that would be in the book of Acts, the, the huge need uh, of, of widows indeed in the book of Acts, and, and the church is concerned about it, and it's a genuine concern, and God says, well, there is a higher priority in the responsibility of the pastor. Now, those needs uh, need to be met, but there are certain things that God says, hey, this is most important, and we, again, we took some time to develop that, and because those needs are significant, the word of God, the glory of God, the things we talked about, that's why he instituted the church. Uh, we talked about that idea of tag your it, uh, God giving the church the responsibility to carry uh, the gospel forward. And I think about it like this. It's, it's a little bit parallel. When you look in the Old Testament, uh, the Jews were tasked with being salt and light uh, as they stewarded the law 
and the, the, the bloodline of Jesus Christ. And then again, here's this almost tag your it moment where now the church is responsible to steward uh, this New Testament in his blood to the rest of the world and uh, share the gospel and all the other functions a church is supposed to do. Um, but like we said this morning, there's a sea of ministry models out there. There's a sea of ministry opportunities available. We could emphasize this. We could spend our time and effort doing this. There's a lot of opportunities out there. Uh, but again, as we asked this morning, where, where do you think we should intentionally land? Um, we could toe the line of the big churches um, that were, you know, like, hey, they emphasize this. They have this ministry. They have that particular model. And again, I'm not saying those are bad. I'm just saying, is that really where we want to get our ministry uh, passion and priorities from? Um, should we build our ministry off of maybe the men who've invested in our life and uh, maybe the, the man who signed your baptismal certificate or the people who signed my ordination certificate? Should we be beholden to ministry priorities of, of those other churches or those other men? Or should we, and absolutely we should, we should go to the Bible and figure out what does Scripture say our church is responsible for? And again, I'm not saying there's nothing to learn from the, the men who've gone before us. I'm all about that, but this book and His Holy Spirit and the people in this room, listen to that equation, this book, His Holy Spirit and the people in this room are enough to accomplish God's will for Faith Baptist Church. That Honestly, all we need is those three parts. We need the body of Christ, the people. We need the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. You put those three things together, and really only those three things together, and we can come out the other side as a church fulfilling every responsibility He gave to the church. Churches are supposed to be independent for a reason. It doesn't mean we can't learn from other churches. It doesn't mean we can't respect other ministry models. It doesn't mean we can't glean from other resources other churches have created. But what I'm saying is we need the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and the people of God at Faith Baptist Church to accomplish God's will for Faith Baptist Church. And so please hear me when I say this. I don't mean that in a proud way at all. I don't mean that like we can beat our chest and, you know, we stand on our own shoulders. No, we stand in a long blood-washed line of, of saints who the faith was once delivered to and passed down and passed down and passed down. Uh, but I mean that, that as a church, we were created and given the, the, the abilities and the responsibilities and the authority to do what the church was created to do. God gave the church everything it needed to accomplish its mission. The church doesn't need the government. And I don't mean to like, you know, throw red meat and oh, easy amens. I'm just saying the church genuinely doesn't need the, the government. The church doesn't need parachurch organizations and entities out there. Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to throw stones at those. But, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, we're going to build a building. Let's get a grant. Well, I think that God put the money in God's people's hands to be able to build the building. If that's what God wants us to do, then he has equipped us with everything we need to accomplish everything he has called us to do. And again, I'm saying that we ought to take ownership of the responsibilities that he's given us uh, and trust that in, we have enough within these four walls to do the job he's given us. I'll illustrate it this way, and I'll be careful. Again, uh, this is why I talked about having the right mindset, the right heart set. I spent probably 15, 20 minutes in the, the morning message saying that, listen, as we examine what the Scripture says, this doesn't mean we throw stones at people who do, do differently, and it doesn't mean we're beholden to those who do it a certain way. Uh, we answer to God for Faith Baptist Church, but I do want to illustrate how this kind of sneaks into relationships. Recently, I was out preaching somewhere, and uh, the subject of church planting came up and, and uh, began to talk about our, our hope and our prayer that God would allow us as a church to plant a church. And, and a, a, a good man, I don't know him well, but a good man, uh, jumped into the conversation and said, hey, let me give you my card. Uh, we have an organization that can help with that. And, and I was trying to be polite, and I said, well, well, how so? And he said, well, you know, we can, we can come and we can train your men. Uh, you can send them to our, 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 cons our college. We can help along uh, with the finance. Finances, we can help take care of some of the legal stuff. And I heard him out, and I understood his heart in the matter. But as I walked away, it, it only further... And again, I, I'm, I'm trying to make sure we, we, don't, we don't get to a place where it's like, I don't need you. 
But the fact of the matter is, God has given us those same responsibilities. Those aren't jobs we farm out. Those aren't jobs we let somebody else do. It's the job of the church to train and send out. It's the job of the church to be able to finance and birth another church. It's well within our capabilities and callings to do everything that's needed to reach the world for Christ. God gave the church to the world. He didn't give the church, well, let me give you this gift and this gift uh, as far as uh, things outside of the church. He gave, God, he gave his people to the church and their giftings to accomplish the will of God for the body of Christ. And so I know all of this because God has never called the church to do something he won't equip them to do. If he called us to reach the world, then we have everything we need between you and between me, between that wall and this wall, that wall and this wall, maybe the nursery as well, we'll include them. Between all these walls, we have everything we need as a church to fulfill the responsibilities that God has given us. And our mind shouldn't be, um, you know, uh, uh, we can, uh, uh, let me find myself in my notes, I apologize. Um, Our our mind shouldn't be, well, you know, this church did it that way, and so we, we have to or we shouldn't. I want us to get to a mindset where we come to to church and say, no, we have everything that God has given us between the word of God, the people of God, and the Holy Spirit. We can accomplish his will. And so let me take some time and revisit those five things uh, just real brief, and then we'll unpack them. I said, number one, the church exists to excel Number one, in giving glory and worship to God. That was our first point. Our second one was in the handling of the word. The church exists to exalt and elevate and proclaim the very words of God. Number three, the church exists to evangelize the lost. Number four, uh, it exists to provide a healthy community for the saints. And number five, it is a place where you should be progressing in your relationship with Jesus. And so tonight, what I want to do is I really want to take some time and develop the strategy uh, that we've really prayed over, that we've really thought through and tried to be intentional about. Um, I'll tell you this. I will be the first one to say, as we go into this new year, I don't know everything. Um, there's a lot of things I'm, I'm, uh, the, the, the jury is still out on. There's a lot of kind of, hey, what do we do when this situation happens? I'm not entirely certain. And to be honest with you, my flesh hates that. You know me. I've been here for, for a handful of years. I, I, I'm a planner by nature. I want to have every detail lined out. But God hasn't told us everything. He's told us the next few steps. And we have enough to obey and to move forward. And then God's going to take care of the rest. Um, But we are stepping out in faith. We are going to step out with the word of God in front of us, illuminating the steps he chooses to. And uh, his commands are clear enough. Um, Because, again, if we can look in the book of Acts, we're going to find that God used the church in one generation to reach the world. And if God can do that then, can't he do it now? Same God. If God can open doors, like we heard in our missionary, I was so grateful for that letter Brother Josh read uh, from the Cubic family as they're going out preparing to start churches. And the crazy thing happens, this one random lady just so happens to have this room she's been paying to rent and has a key. And I've been worshiping God there. And hey, would you come? Listen, if God can do that in Acts and God can do that in Mongolia, God can do that in Kern County. I am a firm believer. They possess nothing we don't have. In fact, we have more than the apostles even did. In, in terms of having the fullness of the scripture in our hands. And so, again, I think the only thing that would stop us is, is our lack of faith, uh, would be our lack of obedience to these things. And I, I don't expect that to be the case. So let's revisit each of those. You're, you're in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 3, okay? Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look down at verse number 21. It's the verse we started at this morning. And uh, if we had a theme verse, which we don't, uh, if we had a theme verse, it would be Ephesians 3.21. And uh, let me say this, Brother Mo, I forgot the video. Don't let me forget it, okay? At the end of service, we're going to watch that video. And if we forget it, it's on you now, okay? I got it off my chest. So I'm so one-track-minded when I'm preaching. I'm so ready to get to the Word. And, and I don't think that's a terrible quality. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 21, we're going to look at the idea and develop the strategy on how we as a church 
will try to create and offer glory and worship to our Creator. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21 says this, Unto Him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You know, we all know this. This is absolutely nothing new. Um, and again, I know there's an exception to every time you use a word like all. It's a superlative. I know some people in the room might not know this. But I would suggest that most of us know the entire reason you and I draw breath is for the glory of God. Amen. It's an absolute in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And uh, I want us to kind of visualize the glory of God as this carrot affixed in, our, in our, our, our vision that we're following after, we're chasing after, glorifying Jesus. And so uh, that's going to be a foundational to this next year. So let me kind of ask a question, and I told you I'd go over the calendar. I'm doing a little different. Normally we have a time where we go over the calendar, then I preach. I'm going to go over the calendar while I preach. And uh, so let me talk about how we have, as a church, strategically decided to create opportunities to bring glory to God, starting with January the 29th. It's not on your calendar because we already changed it. I think, it's on, I think we have it as March the, uh, the 19th, the mortgage burning ceremony. Church family, we are going to come together intentionally to offer glory to Jesus and Jesus alone. We are going to extol his name. We are going to praise God that day. We're going to fellowship. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. We're going we're gonna to break bread in the courtyard. We're going to have a great time. And that day is not about those who gave. There's no giving wall going up. Sorry. It's all about Jesus. It's not about your pastor. Please don't make it about your pastor. It's about Jesus. No one person did what God did. That was God's job. God shares all kinds of things with us, but he won't share his glory. He shared his son. He'll share his kingdom. He will not share his glory. His glory belongs solely at his feet. And uh, we're going to be intentional at that service to really just pause and praise, pause and worship, pause and recognize all that God has done. We're going to try to do that intentionally throughout the year. Uh, the Lord's Supper services, I've mentioned a little bit about this. They're going to look a little different this year. And I don't know how exactly they're going to look. I know how the next one's going to look. I know how the one after that's going to look. We're going to spend some, some very intentional time focused, not just in the Lord's Supper, but in the preaching time, in the time leading up to it. And it'll look a little different. Now, obviously, the unfolding of the Lord's Supper is going to happen the same, but the lead up to it is going to be very specific. We're going to uh, focus in on breaking bread together. Um, one of the things we hope to do this year is to plan and intentional services where the, 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 the whole of the service is, is dedicated around worshiping through music and worshiping through uh, offering praise and testimony to the glory of God. And we've done that, I think, one or two times in the last eight years or so, but I want to be intentional about that. And you say, oh, pastor, I'm going to come to that service. What if it's weird? What if God's happy with it? Hallelujah. Is that okay? What if it's a little uncomfortable? I don't really say what if it. What if, what if it's about Jesus, though? What if it's about offering him glory? What if he's leaning over heaven, and I know that he doesn't have to do that, but what if he's leaning over heaven saying, mm, I like that song. You ever, you ever have that happen? Maybe a CD's playing in the car, and, and maybe your wife drops a new CD in that you haven't listened to in a long time, and all of a sudden a song comes on, and man, it just hits you right in the heart. What if that night where we offered glory to Jesus, that happened in heaven? Oh, but it's so uncomfortable. Ah, no, 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 no. For his pleasure we are and we're created, not for our enjoyment. And again, I find great enjoyment in singing to Jesus. I, I love uh, lifting up our voices collectively and corporately. Uh, we're also going to try to create intentional times. And I can't police this, but where you go home and with your family, you glorify Jesus. Where you as a husband take leadership of your home and lead your kids in prayer, lead your kids in worship. 
And listen, nobody taught me how to do that. Nobody maybe has taught you how to do that. I'll, I'll try my very best. But ultimately, you're the priesthood of your, you're the priesthood of the believers. You're the leader of your home. We're going to try to create opportunities to worship God in our families, in our churches, in our classes, in our smaller groups, all of those things. Um, at the risk of being a little bit different, we're going to try to facilitate moments where the Father is simply pleased. We have services where we spend time asking. But I want to make sure we're intentional about having services where we spend time just thanking just praising him for who he is. And that's a tenant of the church uh, to glorify. Priority number one, to glorify and worship God. And that's important because, listen, um, and I'm not going to go there. Let's go to the next one. Jump to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Number two, the church exists to excel at the proclamation and the elevation of God's word. It's the church's job to be the pillar and ground of the truth, to lift up scripture so the world could see. Because he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now, listen, I'm not so concerned about building a huge church uh, as I am about reaching the world. Now, I do think that building a church that's growing, it, it's, you can't help it. If you lift Jesus up, he draws people. If people hear the word of God, it changes their lives. They come back. Uh, if people uh, get saved and begin their prog- progressive relationship with Christ, it's just going to happen. They're going to want to talk about Christ. They're going to want to be in church. They're gonna, it's just a natural byproduct, okay? But the church exists to lift up the word. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, uh, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Let's get into some nuts and bolts. And these are the ones I'm probably the most excited about. We want to, as a church, create opportunities where we can intentionally invest in the men and women of Faith Baptist Church in this particular area, teaching you how to handle the word of God, not just teaching you the word of God. Because, again, that's an important aspect to it. But, again, faithfulness is not measured by how much you can hear and retain. Faithfulness is measured by how much you are able to do and to teach. And so February 1st, if you look at your calendar there, Servant Leadership Training. It's on there. You might not have known exactly what it is. This is a class on a Wednesday night. It's going to start on Wednesday nights. We'll have to shift some things around. Just be ready for that. Be flexible, please. Um, This is a class designed to train primarily, and ladies, don't get offended. We'll talk about it in just a second primarily the men to prepare to serve in ministry. Now, whether that's paid ministry or as a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or some other capacity, there will be weeks where the wives come in and so forth. But I want to say this, and this is not politically correct, but you didn't hire me to be politically correct. You hired me to teach you what God said. God chose the men to lead the church. Okay? That's an absolute, unarguable reality. Now, God can and does use women. There's no doubt about it. Women have a responsibility to teach the word as well. Uh, uh, and, and, but the fact of the matter is, the Bible is explicitly clear, and we will take time in the weeks ahead and Sunday nights and stuff to talk about the home, to talk about the structure of the church, uh, how God uses men to lead, how God uses women to help meet, and so forth. Um, but you might say, well, I know a church where the women were, okay, you know, like, well, but Rick Warren just retired and replaced himself with a woman pastor. That's true. But we're not beholden to those other churches, remember? We're beholden to what the scripture says. And I, let me talk to the ladies. I know you love me, and you know I love you. Let your man be the leader of your home. Some of you are daggering at me. I'm okay with that. I'm actually glazing over you, so I can't see your actual reactions. I'm assuming you're daggering, though. Don't shoot the messenger. I didn't create the rules for how the church operates. God did. God chose it. Just like preaching doesn't make sense, why is the guy up there yelling and all of a sudden people getting saved and lives are getting changed? I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If, you look at, if I look at that equation, I'm thinking, that's kind of weird. You know, the world goes to counseling. Nobody yells at them in counseling, yeah. right? But we come here and, oh, oh, and all of a sudden lives are changed. I don't know why that works. God picked it that way. 
And he chose men to handle the word and to lead the church. Like I said, that doesn't mean that a woman cannot teach, but the Bible does say that a woman cannot usurp authority of a man in the church. There's a lot of scriptures there, so you don't have to, you don't have to take my word for it. You can look in the scripture. Um, my hope is, though, that we would create an army of people who can handle this word, um, and we need to be more intentional as a church about training you to do exactly that. Um, one of the other classes, I will, I will say this, that class on February the 1st, there will be times where we bring the women in. Uh, we'll, there will be going over different topics, and more of this will be announced later, but we'll be going over topics like uh, um, biblical counseling. We'll be going over topics on uh, conflict resolution. Uh, we'll be going over topics on how, how a man can lead his home and how a woman can support, and we'll bring the wives in. They'll, they'll, be, they'll get to know. You don't have to be called to preach if that's a thing, you don't have to be called to preach to come in that class, but you do have to have a desire to serve Jesus um, and uh, have a desire to be able to. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, there are going to be moments where we, we discuss doctrine and the discrepancies of doctrine and a different view on doctrine. And I want the men to be able to, to have those conversations without feeling like they're going to get embarrassed by their wife being present. And uh, I want to be able to create in them a man, and we send him home, and now he can lead the home and so forth. There's a, there's a lot of intentionality around that particular class, and so just be mindful of that. Uh, also on September the 6th, uh, this is later in the year we're going to have this one will be a men's class only it'll be a homiletics class homiletics is the study of how to how to preach and uh, this is a very hands-on class on how to write sermons um, how to preach we'll give you opportunities to preach uh, give you resources and a library and things of that nature uh, your faith will be challenged in that class um, you won't get to preach without having someone observe and try to help in that area uh, and again I want that to be uh, uh, an intentional time um, I, I remember we took one of my favorite classes um, in college was uh, I think they call it senior bible seminar and in senior bible seminar the president of the college would just he would he would he would unravel your faith as best he could and all the bricks that satan would throw and that's what he told us and sure enough after 12 years of ministry or so satan has thrown all those bricks that i got in senior bible seminar got thrown at me um the versions question uh these different questions what about this what about this contradiction in scripture and so we're going to really go at it in a way that we couldn't in a public setting like this in that back room and uh, i'm very much so looking forward to that like i said you don't have to be called to preach or called to be in church leadership to some degree to be in that class but uh it is meant to train men to send out. It is, it is specifically designed for that purpose. It's about equipping our men. Now, in June, you'll notice, ladies, I think it's June the 14th, we'll begin a ladies um, Titus 2 class. This will be the other side of that coin, um, helping ladies know what their biblical role is and, and how they can play their role well. Because here's the dangerous reality. If a wife cannot do her job, you might not like this either, okay? Um, if a wife cannot do her job, her husband cannot lead the church. That's a fact. It's an absolute fact. And, and I, I, again, eight years of pastoring here at Faith Baptist Church, I've, I've tried, I've, I've not succeeded in every way, to be intentional about leading my wife. Because if my wife does not rule our house well, if my wife does not rather lead our house well, keep our home well, then I lose my ability to be your pastor. And so I don't want to be dumb about this idea. Let's train the men and send them out. And the women don't, don't know what their job is. So we intend to address those things there. Uh, this year requires a huge amount of honesty on the home front, though, from all parties. It's going to take some, some honesty from a man to say, hey, I haven't been leading well. And that's, that's one of the reasons I want it to be just men. Because I want us to be vulnerable and open and honest, like, hey, I need help in this area. That's weird, Pastor. I've never been to a church that does that. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. We're just going to go to Scripture on this thing. Um, God's work demands our all and our life. And so nothing he asks from us should be too much.
And so we're going to be intentional about that area. So number one, the church exists, number one, for the glory of God. Number two, for the elevation of the word of God. Number three, it exists for the evangelization of the lost. And we go straight to the Great Commission for that, Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, I was doing a little bit of research this afternoon for the sermon tonight, and I looked at our, our, how many tracks we ordered and got out. Uh, this last year, to the glory of God, we passed out 37,000 uh, church invitations, gospel tracks, most of those being gospel tracks, some of those being special day invitations and so forth. And I really do want to do more, um, not just to say, hey, we did 50,000 this year. That's not my, my desire. Um, you all know, and we've talked about this, not at great length. We'll talk far more this year. My desire, I do believe God is calling us. We have a mandate. We don't necessarily need a call uh, to plant another church, to, to go into our county and plant another church. Uh, in fact, look at your calendar. February the 25th, you have this ambiguous ministry that, what is it? the open door ministry? And that comes out of the book of Acts where Paul says, there's a great door effectual open unto me that no man can shut. Um, what, you re- what we heard in, on Wednesday night in uh, Mongolia is that God opened a door. He opened a great door. Now, whether Brother Cubit goes through that or not is up to God. But God opens doors, and where God leads, he'll open doors. And I don't know all of those doors yet, but the open-door ministry is intended to be exactly that. Uh, a little bit like the Apostle Paul, just going into cities, laying some groundwork, and doing some soul-winning, and, man, this person gets saved, and now we're starting some discipleship up there in Tehachapi or Lake Isabella, wherever God would lead us in that. Uh, my desire is to facilitate through our church, and one of the reasons that this is so significant is it frees up capital to be able to birth another church. So yeah, but that's our money for our church. Yeah, but the kingdom of God trumps anything that we would plan. Um, Again, that's so important. I do have plans to build another building. Be mindful of that. That, I think that's on the docket. But we do have a mandate. We also have a lot of biblical examples of churches starting other churches. In fact, uh, you've probably heard of the church at Colossae. You probably heard of the Laodicean church, the church in Fergia. Uh, All of these churches were started by Epaphras from the church in Ephesus. Um, Paul didn't start those churches. Now, John on the Isle of Patmos writes through prophecy to two of those churches, the churches in the Laodicean Valley, or the Lycus Valley, rather. Um, But it was a convert of Paul and a church that Paul started that started other churches. And so Romans 10, 15 was the verse we read for this particular topic. And we read more, but I'll I'll just suffice it in verse 15. It says, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Um... I believe from where I stand through conversations and so forth, I believe that God has already, and I won't say anything further, but already laid it on the heart of one man in our church to plant a church. And praise God for that. But I also believe that the second man is sitting in the room somewhere. Yeah. And the third and maybe the fourth. And maybe that the person who's going to start church number five isn't even in our church yet. We're yet to reach him. Yes. But as I said before, before I even knew who would go, I said this. If God is calling me to train, he's calling some of you to go. And that's a fact. And God has already put those two together. And I think that he's going to continue because, again, we don't know how much time we have left. And we could maybe build the biggest church in in the county or maybe we could send out people uh, to reach the lost. Let me share this. And I didn't intend to share this with you, but this is kind of my philosophy. And just hear me out. That's why I'm stepping away from the, 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 the pulpit. One of the things that bothers me absolutely the most, and you know this already, is if a church has a million dollars in their missions account. Why would a church have that much money when there are that many lost people and no churches on the mission field? Send it to the mission field. We have a policy here at our church. We've already talked about it as a church and deacons and so forth. We won't have more than, I think it's three or four months in the missions operating uh, account before we send it out. That's absolutely what we're going to do. Well, if money is an important resource to not hoard, how much more important are the people of the church to maybe not glutton itself on, but maybe send them out? Yeah, but how do you build a megachurch? Maybe 
Maybe, maybe you're not supposed to. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not answering to God for those other churches. I'm answering to God for Faith Baptist. Yeah. Maybe there are men in our church who could go and do a work somewhere else with the support and the sending of Faith Baptist Church. I cannot call you. I'm just saying, when you look in the book of Acts and you see the church sending out Paul and Barnabas, and you see the church sending out Paul and Silas, and you see Epaphras leaving Ephesus, and you see uh, um, uh, Aquila and Priscilla leaving their church to go to facilitate somewhere else, those are biblical examples of how church planting ought to go. Um, And I think about this. God has gifted our church with the ability to train servants uh, for his, his work. Um, it, it, and it's, it's our job to do that. It's our job to train the next generation, right? It's our job to train and employ the young men of the church and the young women. Uh, it's our job to give our men purpose that would lead them to forsake all and follow him no matter the cost. I, I'm a firm believer that those days are not over. And I'm not talking about in the 50s, you know, where a lot of men left their jobs and went into ministry. That, that's, that's a blessing. I'm talking about the fact that God can still call an Amos out of the shepherd's field as a grown adult and make him a prophet to Israel. I'm talking about the fact that God can upend Ezekiel's life for his purpose at the age of 30. God can still call fishermen and tax collectors and zealots into the service of his kingdom. It's the same God. It's the same church. It's the same expectation we find in the book of Acts. Regardless of what we've, what we've done, what our past is, what other churches have done, what their past is, this book gives us the path to world evangelism. We need only search it out and obey what we find. Okay? So moving on to number four. Number one, we exist to bring glory to God. Number two, to preach the word, to evangelize the lost. Number four, we exist to provide community for the saints. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 is where our key verse is for this thought. It says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh the increase of the body, maketh increase, forgive me, of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The church is supposed to edify itself. It's supposed to provide community for itself. And can I just speak? We don't have a lot of visitors here with us tonight, and I'm a little bit grateful for that because this is not an area we do expressly well at as a church. This is something we need to grow in as a church. We need to facilitate deeper relationships than just surface stuff. And I'm not saying in every sense, every sense that's what we do. I'm simply saying it ought to be our goal to love and edify the, those around us. A lot of times what happens is we get so caught up with our own lives and our own burdens and our own insecurities and our kids and our plans and our paths and our goals that we're missing the people that God has put within our body to edify and strengthen. Um, one of the least effective Christians in the army of God is the one too caught up with their own race to ever help anybody else. This was two years ago. We spent the entire year talking about abundance, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That idea of abundance is that I live so above a deficit that I have more than enough to share. And when a Christian is so caught up just trying to survive at home and trying to survive with their kids and trying to survive with their marriage, that's why God says that person cannot lead the house of God. They don't have enough to feed the flock because they're running at a deficit. And this is something that we as a church this year want to be very intentional to facilitate time to create and develop community with fellowships and retreats and potlucks now that COVID's over, right? Um, Different class gatherings. We're going to encourage hospitality in the home. We did a little bit of this this last year, but further this year. Uh, And I want to say, can can we do our our part? Can can you do your part? I'll I'll try to do my part to not view these as optional. Oh, it's just a fellowship. I'm tired. I hear you, but why not go, even if you're tired, for the sake of encouraging the brother or sister that's going to be there? 
that, that they're tired too, but they, they, needed, they desperately needed someone to smile and some laugh to happen and some burden to be lifted. But we are so caught up with, oh, man, it's a long day. I, I, I can't go. Can I encourage you to be mindful of the other people you're supposed to be investing in? You're supposed to be a blessing to. Um, listen, they, they would be optional if the purpose of these fellowships was entertainment, right? Yeah. But that's not why we're facilitating these events. And we'll talk more about them. They'll come out in the year. And not a lot of them made the calendar. I didn't want to have a calendar that was driven by activities, but rather driven by its pur- our purpose. Um, but again, we're not facilitating these events to, to create fun. Uh, we're giving our kids, through certain events, the opportunity to have community around the scriptures. Uh, Patch Club is about community around the scriptures. You know, and it's funny, we'll pay good money to allow our kids to develop community around a leather ball, but we're too tired to let our kids develop community around the singing and the preaching of the word, and that is a danger. Um, We need to help with that. We need to obey in that area. So lastly, the church exists to help Christians develop a deep and progressing, and I know we don't like the word progressive, but understand what that means. Progressing, meaning I'm not staying in the same spot. I'm moving further in my pursuit of Jesus. I'm I'm loving deeper. I'm studying further. I'm pursuing uh, uh, harder. Uh, I not only want uh, to train you to take the next step in your Christian life, But our goal, and this is where it might get a little weird for some of you people, but my goal is also to create opportunities for you to take the next step in your spiritual gifting. Um, This may require a little bit further explanation, but hear me out first. In so many ways, I am prepared to step aside and let someone else serve in some capacities. I'm not saying I'm stepping aside as your pastor. I'm saying this. I don't need to do everything I'm currently doing. I'm not saying I'm abdicating my responsibility to feed the flock of God. I'm saying that Maybe it would be good for some of you men who are going to beginning to grow in grace. Maybe you could lead the prayer time on Wednesday night. Well, pastor, they won't do it as good as you. So what? I might not do it as good as Brother Hunter or Brother Escobar. But if we're going to to train them to serve, we should give them opportunities to serve. Don't you think? I think that that logically follows. We should give our young men, the teenagers, the young adults, the opportunity to maybe, maybe they could preach the challenge on Saturday soul winning. Oh, I ain't coming if they do that. Get your heart right. Okay. Maybe someone ought to preach in my Sunday school class every now and then. Stop. You know what I'm saying? Maybe on a Wednesday night. Uh, And listen, I've got my own kind of giants to fight in that area. I could get defensive, right? I mean, it's my ministry, and I've always done that. And what if they're better at it than me? Like, what if I've killed a thousand and they've killed ten thousand, and people start liking their preaching? And Brother Hunter, during that entire Wednesday night thing, he's going to be preaching in here. What if you guys like his preaching more than mine? So, Brother Hunter, I'm not going to tell you this, but like somebody just shook their head no. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's all right. My people. Um, God gifts us all differently, and all those gifts can and should be used for Jesus. Listen, territorial possessive leadership disallows those coming up to ever have opportunities to exercise their giftings. The the starting lineup at some point needs to kind of say, hey, we don't need six people doing everything. We need 115 of us doing something. 115 of us being intentional about being a specialist in our area of service. Uh, And that might necessitate, like I said, some of us taking a seat every now and then. Um, one of the things that I'm prayerful about is creating, and I don't know how this all fleshes out. I don't know everything yet. Um, I have a vision to start a bit of a, 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 
a class mentorship program. For every teacher that is or is going to be teaching this year, my hope is to take some of the, the men and say, hey, I want you to help. Or some of the ladies, I want you to help in that particular area of service. And then after a month, maybe you can lead the games. And then maybe after another month, maybe you can teach one of the lessons. Because if we're, we're wanting our kids to serve Jesus, are we giving them opportunities to do that? We're wanting our young men to lose their lives for the sake of the gospel. Are we giving them opportunities to do that? God help us as, as the frontline starters not to be possessive over the things that God has allowed us to serve, that we may be able to allow someone to come along and serve and help lead uh, and, and, and create more opportunities for that. Um, like I said, this calendar is not driven by activities but by biblical truth. And so in my final plea before we go and before we pray, would you join me in this, I don't know exactly what it looks like, journey? Um, it is a lot easier to do it the way that I've, I've always done it or the way that you've always done it or the way that our church, you know, the way that the church that I grew up in did it. Um, and it's kind of scary to look at it from the other lens to say, well, what, is, what does the scripture really say about all of this? Um, and I know that things won't look exactly the same. Um, my creatures of habit hate this idea. Okay, those of you who like everything to be the same until Jesus comes back, it's a very uncomfortable way to approach church ministry. Um, I know very well it may make some of you your lives look differently. Um, and here's kind of, <laughs> let me beat you to it, okay? Um, let me talk to the ladies. If your husband decides to join in that class, please don't freak out. I'm being serious. I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, well, what does that mean? What are, you, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you thinking? I know that that's scary. He doesn't know. Maybe don't corner him on it. Just let him grow in grace. Let him follow Jesus in this path. Again, he's not saying, I'm going to go be D.L. Moody. I'm going to go to Ireland to be a missionary. Just encourage him. Be a helpmeet that says, you know, I don't know everything God's doing, and the end of this might not be what I signed up for, but I'm going to let God do a work in my husband. Here's what I promise you. Your husband will be better in his fellowship of Jesus, which will make him a better husband. Um, We've talked about this as a, as a couple, my wife and I. Casey minus Jesus is a jerk. You know why I know that? Because even Casey with Jesus sometimes is a jerk. <laughs> okay? So if you subtract Jesus, we are up creek without a paddle. And the more that my wife has allowed me to follow Christ, the better of a husband I have been to her. And I've not been a perfect husband by any stretch. I'm simply trying to encourage you as things look a little unsettled, would you allow Jesus to just do a work in your home, be surrendered to his will. Um, I will say this, and then we will close. This particular year's theme differs substantially from other years in this, in this regard. This, this theme's success, if you will, is not as contingent on my preaching and what series and what development and what truth I can bring out. It's far more contingent on whether you will obey the first steps. Because we can stonewall this whole thing, right? Um, we, can, we can open up a class to train men how to teach the word of God, and every man could say, ain't doing it. It'd be me and Brother Escobar back there. Brother Hunter's over here, so Josh ain't coming. No, I'm kidding. Josh, you better come. You're mandated. Um, it's far more contingent on your, your obedience to the scripture and your obedience to the preaching of the word. So again, as we close, number one, the church exists to be excellent in giving God glory and worship, in, the hand, in handling of the word of God evangelization of the lost, to provide a healthy community for the saints, and to help you in your next step in your pursuit of Jesus. Let's pray.